0: you're in church, isn't it? I think it's okay still. Amen. How are we all going? Good? Whoa, that's a, okay. I'll move on. You obviously didn't like that question. <laughs> How's that son-in-law of mine? He can sing. Where'd he go? Oh, he's hiding up the back, yeah. So did he get that from you, Beth, or from Gavin? (laughs) Neither. (laughs) Oh, the next generation back, hey? Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, Hey, well done, Tom. Well done, team. Appreciate you guys. Every week, you're doing that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here in the name of your son Jesus Christ and we thank you that you're here through the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to just express ourselves as best we can in our praise to you for what you have done for us. Father I ask tonight that we would have ears and hearts and spirits to hear what you would have to say to us through your Holy Spirit and we give you all the praise and all the honour in Jesus name. Amen. On December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks boarded a Cleveland Avenue bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She was heading for home after a long day's work. She took a seat in the first of several rows designated for coloured passengers. As the bus continued on its route, it began to fill with passengers and eventually the bus was full and the driver noticed that several white passengers passengers were standing in the aisle. He stopped the bus and moved the sign, separating the two sections back one row and asked four black passengers to give up their seats. At that time, the city of Montgomery had segregation laws within the public transport system. Seats were allocated for whites and blacks and if the front section, the white section, filled up, the blacks would be asked to stand and give their seats. And if they didn't comply with the bus driver's orders, He had the right to have them arrested. This night three complied, but Rosa refused and remained in her seat. The driver demanded, why don't you stand up? To which Rosa replied, I don't think I should have to stand up. The driver called the police and had her arrested. Rosa's flawless character, her quiet strength and her moral fortitude caused her act caused her act in such a way as to successfully ignite action in others. As one of her biographers, Douglas Brinkley, observed, Rosa Parks in that moment felt fearless, bold and serene. She looked straight at the bus driver and said no. Rosa Parks stated, When I made this decision... I knew that I had the strength of my ancestors with me. These people were the people that had built or helped her form her identity. That was who she was. That is why she could say no to such a disgraceful law in that city. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Word of God says... I have a question. Who or what determines your identity? Just say it to yourself. Who or what determines my identity? Who's ever had someone come up to them and say, hey, you look like... I mean, James gets people come up. You look like Arnie Schwarzenegger James. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who's had that? Yeah, someone comes up. You know, I've had that happen to me a few times. Apparently I look like Alan Border, or used to or still do. I'm not sure. And I've had a person say that to me. And I say, no, he looks like me. Why do I say that? <laughs> Apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at my status and he's looking at Alan Border's status. Alan Border is a well known great cricketer. We could probably do with him right this moment. Uh he's uh you know, in the not only the cricket world, but around the world he, he is known as a a great cricketer, he's also regarded as a, a great Australian statesman, he does a lot of stuff in the, in the, you know, throughout Australia for all good sort of things, and there's me. So he's saying, you the nobody look like him the somebody. No, he looks like me, because I'm not going to allow that person to form my identity he's making it look like Alan is more important than what I am. And in the world's view, he probably is. But in God's view, he's not. If I allow him to do that, he's determining my identity, not me. If our identity is determined by who or what, we, are, we will have difficulty living an abundant life. As Christians, our identity is and must be in God and God alone. My identity is in God. Let's say it, one, two, three. My identity is in God. But do we believe it? If it is not, we will allow others to determine who we are. Tossed around by every comment and every action directed towards us. Our identity is and must be in God. Here's a good start. Very first book of the Bible, Genesis verse 27. God created human beings. I think we all come under that category. Yep, looking around. Tips, yeah, I think so. Yeah, a bit tips. Okay. I've just affected his identity. <laughs> we'll get on to that later. Not your identity, what I just did. God created human beings. He created them godlike. That's not too bad. It's not shabby, is it? We've been created like God. Godlike. Reflecting God's nature, he created them male and female. I think we just about covered that this evening. We could stop there because that should be enough for us to have a good identity because it's in God. Ephesians 1, 3-6. Next time you've got somebody telling you that you're useless, you'll never mount to anything, Blah, 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 however they put it, whatever they do. You know, we all have it. Comes, comes across our path. Just tell them to suck on this. <laughs> blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavy, heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose me in him before the foundation of the world that I should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined me to adoption as his son or daughter, I'll throw that in, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And you reckon I'm not going to amount to nothing and I'm no good. He chose me according to the good pleasure of his will. Aggie, he chose you for the good pleasure of his will. He's excited. Makes him feel good. How's that? That's good. Okay. We've got the Australians all in tonight. (laughs) We don't get excited. That's okay. I know you're just waiting on what's coming up next, isn't it? Yeah. Our identity is in God. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is their identity. So, what's so important about understanding that our identity can only be found in Christ? Some years ago, I heard a news report in in a country, and uh, the local army opened fire on a funeral service. And uh, it was a sort of one of those things where media from all around the world happened to be there, so it wasn't a real smart move on part of that army. And uh, the people sort of were running everywhere and that the the army started to move through the cemetery. And uh, they were interviewing an American journalist, a female. And she's saying, I said to them, you can't do this to me, I'm an American citizen. And I thought, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do because this nation doesn't really like America. But... She knew her identity. I'm from the United States of America. No foreign army is going to push me around, even if I am on their soil. She stood her ground because she was an American citizen. That was her identity. As an Australian citizen, I think I would have been running with the rest of the population. Our identity... Hers was in her American citizenship. Ours is in our heavenly citizenship. Whoa. That's my family laughing the loudest. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our citizenship. Is there another word for that? Where we come from, that's our our nationality. It's far better than being an American citizen. No offence to... We got one here tonight? No, so I can bag them out. Oh, I'm on podcast nowadays. I can't do that, can I? I'll get phone calls from the president. (laughs) Ah. So... Our nationality in heaven is far better than being an American citizen, with no offence to our wonderful Americans. Knowing where our nationality comes from, we will get contentment and peace in all circumstances. Paul writes in Philippians, not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learnt to be content and self-sufficient through Christ satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance I have learnt the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having abundance or being in need." When our identity is in Christ, we can speak just like Paul. So how can we attain this? By stop listening to the world and listen to God. So simple. We are bombarded in this day and age more than ever by media and what they want us to hear. And I think the presidential elections in America is a great example of how bad the world is listening. Because all those that were in the know got it terribly wrong. They thought they had it all worked out. They told us that there was no way that Mr Trump was going to be the President of the United States. Yeah, they did polls. Obviously, they polled in the States. Where, where, what's, what's the other lady's name? Hillary Clinton was very popular because the polls all said she was going to win by a landslide. How wrong the world media got it. That should be an indication of why we shouldn't listen to them. Truly. Because they lie. Here's a little story for you. Some years ago we had a cyclone heading towards Gladstone... It was a Category 5 and it was coming closer and we were getting a bit nervous and uh, it was still a, a way off but it was they reckon it was going to hit Gladstone and Sandy and I went for a drive out to the marina and that water was as flat as a bathtub before the kids got into it. It was, was flatter than the carpet. We'd had absolutely no rain at all and we never did get any out of that cyclone, but that was the one that went down to Brisbane and came back and we did not get one drop of rain out of it. That night on, I think it was Channel 7 News, there was a lady standing at the marina going, oh, the wind has died down a bit. The wind, what wind? And the, 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 you know, the, the harbour's not as rough as it was and, and, the wind, and the rain stopped. Sandy and I looked at each other and got, did we just hear that? That was an absolute, blatant lie. it had been a reasonable day with no wind, no. Rain and the harbour was flat as the carpet. And that's just the weather. i better get off my political agenda that's... So, but we're believing what we're told to be like. You ever seen models? I'm sure you've all seen models on a runway, haven't you? Really? Have you seen how they? Walk? I don't know how they walk like that. They sort of on their heels and they <laughs> like that. But and they're sour. They're so angry. I suppose if you have got to wear high heels and the clothes they wear like that, I'd be angry too. And then the media says that's what we have to dress like. So we're not allowed to eat for twelve months. If there's any models, then come and see me after. They don't eat for 12 months and then they go in a magazine and they Photoshop them. So what we're seeing in magazines isn't real anyway, but that's what we're supposed to look like. No. We're made in whose image? God's image. He wants us to look like we look like. I think God's happy with that because he's made us in his image. So we've got to stop listening to them. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, For if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. How about that? Doesn't that sound good? Let me tell you Jenny's story. Jenny was born with Down syndrome over 30 years ago. This made things difficult for her. and When she was young, she spent a lot of time asking God, why did you make me with Down syndrome? Why can't I be normal like other people? I told him all the time that I didn't like having Down syndrome. I kept thinking, if only I didn't have Down syndrome, I would be happy. I thought that somehow God made a mistake when he made me. Mum and Dad always told me they loved me so deeply and that they could not love me anymore but somehow down deep in my heart I always wondered if they would love me more if I didn't have Down syndrome. When I was in high school the kids on the bus were very mean to me. They laughed at me and they mocked me and they called me all kinds of bad names and told me that even my parents couldn't love me and that hurt me so deeply. When I got off the bus in the afternoon, I would be crying. My mum would meet me at the door and we would talk and pray every day. She told me that people used to say bad things about Jesus and call him names too. So he understood exactly how I felt. She told me that real truth is only found in God's word and not in that what other people say about you. She told me that if I could find anywhere in the Bible where God calls me bad calls me bad names, or said I was a mistake, that she would pay me $5,000. Obviously, mum realised that was a sure bet. Well, that's an awful lot of money. I spent a lot of time reading the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon I would too, if my mum had to challenge me with that, to find out what God said about me. All the scriptures I found, just the opposite. So I never did get my $5,000. Some of my favourite scriptures, where God says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He tells me I am the apple of his eye, his treasured possession. God tells me to think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure and lovely. I like to think about the truth that God tells me and spend my time thinking about what God says is true. God also says that you are my refuge and my strength. In Psalms, I have put my hope in your word. My confidence and hope is in God. I know now that instead of being a mistake, I am the Lord's treasured possession. The Lord showed me that I am not a mistake, but I am a precious gift. His treasured possession. We have a choice to believe and fill our minds with God's truth, which will change our hearts or listen to what other people say and be sad. It is a choice we must each make. If our heart is sad because you wish God had made you different, read in his word the truth of what he says about you. Believe it and let it change your heart. Nothing is impossible with God. He certainly did change my heart. The word of God. We have a choice to believe and fill our hearts with God's truth which will change our hearts or listen to what other people say and be sad. It is a choice we must each make. There was a young boy called Joseph and he had 11 brothers, mum and dad. And when he was young, he had two dreams and this upset the whole family. So much so that his brothers who already really hated him because he was dad's favourite, decided to get rid of him. They gave him to a slaver and he was sent to Egypt where he became a slave in a person's house. That person's wife wanted to go to bed with him. He wouldn't. She claimed he did. He ended up in jail because you don't believe the word of a slave. He's in jail for a while. And then in, in Psalms... One hundred 13 and 20, it says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters, he was laid in irons, until the time that his word came to pass and the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of the people, let him go free. Joseph's identity wasn't in being a favourite son, it wasn't in being a slave. He didn't get his identity from being a prisoner. He didn't even get his identity when he was made second to Pharaoh of all of Egypt. His identity was in two dreams that God had given him as a young boy. One said, one said that there were sheaths of wheat Better have a drink of water if I'm gonna say this. That's it. His sheaf of wheat rose, and eleven others gathered around him and bowed down it was a picture of him with his brothers bowing down to him. His second dream was. The sun and the moon and the eleven stars will bow down to him. God gave him those dreams. That was his identity. That's what made Joseph. And they came true. Imagine the people, even a group this size, who were secure in their identity in Christ. Christ. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But you are God's chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his peculiar people. And We always laugh at that one, don't we? We look around and go, oh, they look peculiar. At our prayer meeting we had a bit of a talk about this the other day because a few didn't like peculiar. And in some, uh, some translations it says special, so that makes you think like, you know, you go to Woolies and you get on, you're on special. So that doesn't really help your ego much. So they didn't like that. But the word peculiar, for some reason, from uh, the information I have, there's only one place, uh, would it be the Greek word, I guess, wouldn't it, if it's in the New Testament, It's translated peculiar. So I'm not sure why they did that. But in all other places, it's more about God's possession. That's something very special to God. So I don't know why they didn't put that. So next time you hear that you're peculiar, just remember that means you're really special to God. Though you're a peculiar people, all the old titles of God's people now belong to you. It is for you now to demonstrate the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into this, his amazing light. In the past you were not a people at all. Now you are the people of God. In the past you had no experience of his mercy, but now it is intimately yours. Take hold of that. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. So if we take a hold of that, if that is our identity, we can fulfil Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Pastor James was talking this morning about how we can react, you know, when people do something to us, and you know it's their pride and that. If we have our identity and secure in Christ, we won't react in a negative or, you know, sort of way. Even if we did, we would then have the grace to ask for forgiveness, to restore that whatever the situation is. We would be a people who would not want to offend We will also be a people that doesn't take offense. What is the biggest killer in not just the church, but in our whole community, in our whole humankind? Is people taking offense of what someone may have said, has said, has done, could have done? Is taking offense and holding on to that. We're all going to get offended. I'm pretty sure of that (laughs) because we live amongst humans. But Matthew 5 says, Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down. Remember Ephesians 1, when they put you down, just throw that at them. Nicely. Not like I did it. Or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. This is Jesus talking. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. That's an interesting little line, isn't it? As we shine Jesus' light... As we are confident in our, our uh, identity in Him, those around us are going to feel uncomfortable. And perhaps that's the only way they can react. You can be glad when that happens. Yep. Give a cheer, even. Whoa. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. There you go. How's that? Oh. Okay, I'm overly excited on that one. And know that you are in good company. We read that earlier. My prophets and witnesses have also gotten into this kind of trouble. One day after children's church, when I used to do children's church, I had this little girl come up to me and she said, they said I'm stupid. I said, well, are you? and she said no well there you go happy if only all counselling was that easy (laughs) See, she knew she wasn't stupid so their words had no effect when we know who we are in Christ the words won't have any effect unless of course we let them Philippians 4 and verse 13 says, I can do, this is the Amplified, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfil his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. How about that? If you know me for a couple of minutes, you probably know that I like sport. Yep. And in this nation, we're all a bit, well, not all of us, because I have met one or two that don't really interested in sport. Don't get it myself, but anyway. But you find in sport, and I guess it's in other areas of life as well, that the, an accomplishment leads To identity. I'm a good footballer, I'm a good netballer, I'm a good long distance runner, I'm a that's who I am. They have the accomplishment, and then they have the identity. In God, we have the identity, and then with his strength and power, we have the accomplishment. That's why our identity must be in Christ to get that around the right way. Rosa Parks, our lady on the bus, grew up among others who helped shape her identity so that on that cold night in December 1955, she could stand her ground and say no. When I made this decision, I knew I had the strength of my ancestors with me. Like Rosa, or even more than Rosa, we're in good company. Now, it's funny when you start to get a thought for a, a message and uh, you're a week out or so. It's always, I find it rather amazing. It happens to me that one or two of my uh, daily readings or something is exactly what you want. <laughs> And that happened again this week, from the word for today on sometime during the week. And it says, We live in a world of peer pressure. Others set the standard and we wear it, drive it, quote it or do it. In some cases that's okay. But not when it comes to your life's direction. Jesus said, If the Son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. That means you're free from the pressures others try to put on you, free to be the person God called you to be, free to look to him for answers instead of always looking to other people. The Bible says a man can receive nothing unless it has been granted to him from heaven. When you scratch the surface, you discover that deep down many of us struggle with insecurity. We're competitive, always comparing ourselves to others. We're envious of their possessions, abilities and accomplishments. We find ourselves trying to keep up with with certain people or be just like them. As a result, we get frustrated because we're operating outside of what God called us to be. In other words, we're not being ourselves. Or in my words, having our own identity in Christ. Understand this, the Christian life is a race and you must run on your own track. You'll never enjoy the fullness of God's blessing until you commit to being the person he created you to be. So look in the mirror today and announce, I am what I am. I can't be anything other than what God has called me to be. So I'm going to concentrate on being the best me I can be. And celebrate every moment of it. And remember, the Word of God says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. That is powerful. Allow God to mold who you are, your own unique identity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you're with us in all that we do. I thank you, Lord, that you've called each and every one of us into your wonderful kingdom. That you even chose us before you thought about creating the world. How precious are we to you. Father, I pray that uh, I guess... In this congregation tonight, we have young, we have old and all in between. We've been moulded by different upbringings, different backgrounds, different circumstances in our lives, different things that have been spoken over our lives. Father, tonight I thank you that we can leave here that knowing as much as that helps forms who we are, that doesn't form our identity. Because our identity, who we are, Is in you. May we grasp that tonight and have an understanding of that, that we can walk in your ways and we can accomplish great things for your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.